Welcome to another episode of Sports and Songs Podcasts. Today is season three, episode number 11, and today is January 23rd, 2022. We're your hosts, Dan and Andy. How are you doing, Andy? I am good. Uh, getting over science cold this week, so there was no midweek episode. And as the voice is getting better, I've been yelling at the football all afternoon. So, Well, there's been these four divisional games, very good ball games this week. Yep. Usually there's a blowout or two in these games, uh, but they've all been close. Yeah. And, and that, in fact, that's – so my trivia question, Andy, ties into that. Yes, what do you got? Here's the trivia question. This weekend was only the second time in NFL history of the divisional football playoffs where there's two games in the NFC, two games AFC, divisional round, where three of those games ended with a three-point or less, less differential. Ooh. Close games in this this weekend, all three that we've been playing that have been completed so far have all been resulted in a game-winning field goal on the last play of regulation. No overtime games. They've all been good. They've all been exciting. They've all finished in the last play, and they've all been won by the road teams. Now, my question is only one other time have at least three, three of the games of the four ended with at least – Three-point wins by three of the teams. It's never happened before except for one other time. Name that year. That's the question. Okay. All right. I'll think on that. Okay. So that's the question. Heard, uh, uh, you can take it away and share your screen for high school, I think, or college. Yes, we'll, we'll get into that. we got some whole bunch of fun stuff today. Soapbox. Soapbox stuff to do. Yes, there is. Yeah, there's going these buttons all pushed here. There we are. That's us. Start with girls basketball, Minnesota High School girls basketball. There was one game, Seidfeld Friends out of Washington, D.C. area, the number one ranked team in the nation, came to Hopkins for a four-team tournament. Um, Hopkins is ranked third in the nation, though, as you see. Okay. Seidfeld Friends won that game. Um, they fall short the number one. 12-point loss, and DeSoto, Texas, and Grandview, Colorado were the other two teams that were there. So we had some big shooters in town for the weekend. I personally don't think this loss by Hopkins should affect them in the rankings because no. it was an exhibition, don't get me wrong, but it was still there. Wow. So with that said, uh, good games were played. Um, there was on ESPNU, I guess. The games were nationally televised. Um, I don't know if you can go back on demand and watch those games, but uh, give it a shot. Interesting. Here we go. Class 4A girls, top five. Hopkins, Chaska, Minnetonka. Sounds like a broken record there. Ian Prairie, fourth. Class 3 is Austin and Becker. Academy of Holy Angels and St. Paul Como Park, top four still. Uh, 2A is Minnehaha, Goodhue, and Holy Family. Moves up from five to three. And Mount Iron does hold on to number one. Um, I said the two losses they've had to travel to the cities for. Mayor Lutheran still undefeated, and they're at number two. Like we said, those two meet at the end of the year. There's Sleepy Eye St. Mary's at three at 14 and one, just quietly waiting for them to fall. Hayfield 17 and 0 at number four. Class A girls doing very well. It should be a good tournament for them. Boys hockey. Yes, I'm skipping boys basketball. we got a lot of stuff to cover. Got to kind of mix it up. A lot of high school sports to cover. Don't want to bury it in that. Hockey note, both Brian Hulse and Ed Brian Myers, who played in Delos Class A team in 2017, are among 77 college players right now for the Hobie Baker Award. So that's pretty exciting. Two guys from Delano, it's a 2017 state team, is up for the College Hockey MVP Award, basically, so... And Ben Myers is going to play in the Olympics in Beijing, so not bad for some Class 1A boys. 2A hockey standings, you got Andover, Creighton Durham Hall up there. Uh, Moorhead's up at staying at 8. Grand Rapids debuting at 9. And 1A, Hermantown War Road's still up there. Uh, Duluth Denfield moves up from 5 to 4. Fergus Falls enters in at number nine. Delano, as you see, seven and six, kind of swipped, swipped between Minneapolis and Delano there. Uh, Delano having a decent year still at 10 and five. 
the gals on hockey. Yesterday, hockey day in Minnesota. Watching some of that had Andover and Dinah playing against each other, and Andover won, so life was good. But uh, shouldn't affect you die in the rankings too much, I don't think. Lakeville South and Tonka both there. Our Holy Family at five. So the top five teams kind of stand there. They'll probably still be top five next week. They just might switch around some spots. And 1A, again, War Road, and then Orono. Mound West Tonka at four. It's kind of our local team here. They kind of. Barnhill Mayor plays on Mongos Tonka for hockey, so our gals go there. Beaver hockey. The boys uh, took it on the chin at home against Ferris State this weekend, and they traveled to Michigan Tech afterwards. The gals got a split at home hosting St. Cloud State. They'll stay at home and have the Tommies come up there, so. Hopefully we're going to end the season strong here for the girls. Kind of turns some things around. All right. Beaver baseball. I bring this picture up here. Dan, I know we're getting ready and excited for some preseason stuff. Uh, Beavs don't come down here much. Concordia St. Paul. They got some games there. You see our boy there? Tom Cohen. All salad team preseason nomination for me right there. Oh, obviously. Yes. Yes. He's on the uh, preseason all salad team. From Shakopee, Minnesota, junior. So we'll keep an eye on him this year. He's going to kind of be our guy we'll watch this year, too, and see yep. how the flow goes. And there's a, also a picture of John Perkins from the team on the preseason poll for uh, the Beavs, another member of the preseason team. All Great here team. flow. Great flow. Go for basketball. And the Cezano Twins were in town. Uh, Monica and Iowa came into town to play the Gophers. Uh, Maggie rode the bench the whole game. Maggie being a freshman still. Monica, senior year. Monica, on her birthday, was playing at home. Side soapbox on this. As you see, the Gophers lost by 56 points. Biggest blowout in history. We scored three points in the fourth quarter. Well, they got that field goal in the fourth quarter. Yes, as time was running out. Here's my argument, my side soapbox on this. With a minute to go or a minute and a half, you could put Maggie in and have Monica in on the court at the same time. The game was way out of hand. Let the sisters be on the court at the same time. It's Monica's senior year. And just for fun for the last minute and a half, again, a 55, 56-point difference here, everybody else clear this. I let them do a little one-on-one back and forth for a while, for the last minute. What do you got? What the hell? Okay? Yeah. Great TV, great memories, great publicity for the game. I kind of blame Coach Whalen on this one a little bit because her being the home coach could have made the call over to Iowa and said, hey, let's put the girls in. What what the yeah. hell? And even if she didn't put her with Monica on there, you were down by almost 60 and you didn't totally empty the bench and play everybody. Lindsay Whalen, Hall of Fame player, but you know what? She's got to go as a coach. Nine and 10 this year, two and five in the Big Ten. Just She's got to go. There, I said it. Send your hate mail to me. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. She was a tremendous player, but you're right. Yep. She she maybe be a good like assistant at practices or something or preseason things, but just game day decisions, no. Go for baseball. Again, here's some more off-flow nominations. Otto Grimm, Redshirt Jr. from Bemidji. Sees one picture. He's got a little flow going there, kind of a pretty boy mullet, but we'll see what happens. Ah. He's got some potential there. And for the gals couple of names here for the, the Elite 100, Extra Elite 100 College Player Rankings. Two gals on the go for softball team. Natalie there from Hopkins, a senior. Keep an eye on her. Um, Great Lakes second team, region second team, all Big Ten first team. Um, one of two Gophers to start all the team's 44 games, played in center field. Wow. Led the Big Ten in, with 15 home runs, ranked 43rd in the NCAA. Registered a slugging percentage of 740. That was the best in the conference and 63rd nationally. 321 batting average at team high 454 on base. Um, Very nice numbers there for her. 42 total RBI this year. Season high. Uh, Scored 29 runs. It was a perfect five for five in stolen bases. Uh, Drew team best 27 walks. And even got hit by a pitch five times. True gamer. And Autumn, she's a senior from 
Idaho State previously. Rudra from California. We won't hold that against her. Welcome to Minnesota. Again, Great Lakes region second team, second Big Ten, second team all Big Ten, um, academic all district, academic all Big Ten. Uh, started 19 of 23 appearances in our first season with the Gophers, going 12 and 3. Pitched a no hitter on August against Nebraska, April 17th. Uh, both her strikeout to walk ratio 5.7 walks per seven innings of 1.2 for 25th in the nation. That's good. 25th in the nation. There's how many, every state's got how many softball teams and colleges. So that's pretty good numbers there. I uh, tossed 116 innings, including five complete games, allowing 29 earned runs. Um, held opponents to a 219 batting average and 92 hits. So a couple gals go for softball. Keep an eye on them. Go for hockey. The boys split this weekend, hosting Michigan at home here. Of course, they lost Saturday on, you know, Hockey Day in Minnesota Day. They uh, they lost that game inside. They had a good one overtime winner against Michigan on Friday. Then they go to Notre Dame this weekend. The Gales swept number one Wisconsin. And they got only got number two Ohio State to go there, so this would be a chance for the Gophers to move up. Now, I don't have a lot of the rankings on this week because as you follow our social media, college basketball teams are losing right and left. Ranked teams are losing unranked all over the place. This being a podcast out of a daily show, people don't always listen the next day. So by the time they listen, they haven't been number four in a while. So we kind of are leaning off on that on the show. Check the social media page for that. I might, uh, Andy, yeah. I might, I'm going to do my midweek show this week on the Minnesota Lady Gophers hockey. I yeah. was at that game uh, Friday. I took some photos and pictures, and I'll, I'll do my midweek episode on talking about that experience, what it was like, and also when the new rankings come out, I'll cover that on, on yeah. the show. Just to get that. I've never been to a women's hockey game before ever at Ritter Arena, and uh, it was fun. It was fun. So I'll cover that in the midweek, and I'll do the rankings as well because that was a yeah. huge huge win especially to sweep them well and you look at the standings here like i said they, they beat number one we're 19 and six and one on the year here's our first four games of the season we were one and three they're 19 and six right now so and we lost those two at home to ohio state to start the year so we're okay, looking for the revenge factor but you start one and three you're 19 and six now so that's what 18 and three since then Nice turnaround for the Lady Gophers there. The Mets. It's been a couple weeks since I mentioned the Mets. Can't talk too much baseball. Can't mention people's names on social media, but they do have their their coaching staff in place. Yes, I know coaching staffs get more detailed than this, but this was basically your meat and potatoes of your coaching staff. Lots of new faces coming in. Glenn Sherlock will be the bench coach. Wayne Kirby. First base outfield, base running coordinator. Third base coach and infield instructor would be Joey Cora. Uh, had some major league experience, uh, manager experience. Look for him to be a manager in the future again. Eddie Chavez is the hitting coach. Um, Eddie had a nice run with the A's. He was a player. The Yankees were looking at him for coaching ability in the future, so Eric Chavez could be a nice coach in the future somewhere too. Jimmy, Jeremy Bond's assistant hitting coach. Jeremy Hefner, pitching coach. And Craig Bjornsson is the bullpen coach. Some other Major League Baseball stuff here. Major League Baseball shut down the Devil Rays' plans. They'll have to split the season between Montreal and Tampa. I don't know. The stadium of Tampa is kind of a toilet. Uh, it was built... Years ago, in fact, that was supposed to be the Twins' home when they were trying to lure the Twins away from us at one time. And that stadium has still been there, so it's an older stadium. Uh, could use some updating, but they don't want to dump money in anything in that city. That's why they want to split it. I don't know if you'd ever see Tampa Bay move to Montreal in a few years, if they just say, fine, let's go there. But the Rays wanted to split their games. Major League Baseball said No. I don't know if that'd be a geographical thing or a scheduling nightmare. Why they said no, they just shot it down. 
What do you think? Do you think the Rays should split their home games like that? Well, I think I don't think they should split it, but I think the reason they shut it down was because we've got the the pandemic shut down between the borders now anyway. Right. If we were to uh, elect another city to split their home games, and I think it would have been okay if it was in the U.S., but because it's across the border, right? That's why Major League Baseball gave it a hard no. But I don't mind if they split. I mean. I don't know. What's your what's your thoughts? To me, I guess if they split, I'd be okay if they split between like playing in Tampa Bay and Jacksonville, or Tampa Bay and maybe Mobile, Alabama. We are in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and Tampa, Florida. Geographically, that doesn't. Yeah, matter. that's the, that's my only hang up on it. If they want to do their um, spring training up there, you know, like your two games for the season starts, you want to play there or something. Great, whatever. Yeah but not regular season games. The Olympics starting here in a couple weeks. Like I said, got family playing on the hockey team. Drew Hellison, number four defense. So here's the groupings for the Olympic hockey right now. They will be in group A with Canada, Germany, and China. As <laughs> um, That's group A. That was a pretty tough group right there. Um, Canada's always tough. Um, yeah, Russia and the Czechs and the other group. And group C, um, keep your eye on qualifier two. They can kind of be a dark horse there sneaking in. You can never trust that qualifier two team. And the Jamaicans have a bobsled team again this year. Nice. So let's go Jamaica. That'll be fun to watch. You thought I was upset earlier. Here we go. Uh-oh. I got two of them. Two? Here's round one, and this is just one thing here. And this is no rip on either guy. Kellen Moore, no playoff wins. Eric Bieniemy going into tonight, six playoff wins as coordinators. And all say, oh, Kellen's a genius. He should be a head coaching candidate. Really? He can get his team to the playoffs and not do anything past that. We had tons of teams with coaches that could do that. Um, but then here's my other part. Eric Bieniemy's name never comes up for a coach position. I don't know about you, but you hear a lot of guys at different companies. Hey, I'm okay being middle management. I don't want to move up to all the headaches. You're at the Kansas City Chiefs. You got Patrick Mahomes. I'd love to keep being that offensive coordinator. You want to go somewhere else and try to have whoever quarterback we get in Minnesota and try to do that same magic? No dice. I mean, look no. at John. Miami was with Minnesota for a while, a couple years, right? Yep. Yep. But look at Josh McDaniel from the, from the Patriots. He's tried to get head coaching jobs twice, and you didn't have Tom Brady and the rest of Belichick's staff and players. Just because you work under someone doesn't mean you can take that magic elsewhere. Um, so, yeah, Bianami is not getting a lot of love for a coaching job, but how you know he's really looking that hard? Maybe he's happy being offensive coordinator to the best quarterback in the league, you know? And maybe I'm just old, but Kellen Moore looks like he still has to get ready for the junior prom coming up too. I don't know. Fair enough. The other one I got here is uh, from Wrestling World. Uh, WWE apparently filed for the name Gunther Stark. They brought this wrestler in named Walter from Germany and Europe area. Walter was, to quote my father, he was a big son of a bitch. Okay. Walter's a large man. Um, They've finally gotten to convince him to move to the States. And they're going to change his name to Gunther Stark. On January 13th, they filed for a trademark on that. But they've been in the 19th, on the 19th of January following the news that the name Gunther Stark was the name of a Nazi commander. Now, if you're WWE, you've you got to have smarter people than this. I could, Okay, I'll buy it. You pulled the name Gunther Stark out of the air. I'll give you that. Because when I first heard the name Gunther Stark, meant nothing to me either. But before you file a trademark for it, aren't you do a little research on that name just in case? Yeah, they – well, typically those – famous leader from another country or current leader somewhere or a the, soccer player in Germany the, or something like that. The attorneys, I think, for trademark stuff, that's part of their job is to do the background investigation and make sure it hasn't been used or it's not competing with something else or it doesn't sound the same as something else. Right, but if you're WWE, wouldn't you have done that first before you just throw a name out there? Correct. Again, I get it. You threw the name out of the dark. To me, without looking up, I knew nothing of the name either. 
But I would have, before I filed trademark, made sure it wasn't a soccer player's name or an athlete or a singer in Germany or Europe somewhere. Nope. They just threw it out there. I thought their money could buy it. And oops. Yeah, then you got a backpedal. Yep. Concert information. Not too much concert info here. Just remember this when you sing. I don't have time for Google lyrics. I sing what I want to sing. Just remember that when you're in the car. <laughs> Steel Panther. We beat the Fillmore Minneapolis March 25th. I was special guest, Any Given Sin. I've heard nothing of Any Given Sin, but I like Steel Panther. They're all right. They're cool to listen to. They got some neat stuff on YouTube. Um, the Fillmore is a great facility for them. If you're a Steel Panther fan, you're a hair metal fan, go for it. Give our friends at the Fillmore a call. Rage Against the Machine did a public service announcement. Their North American tour with Run With The Jewels will now start March 9th in East Detroit, Wisconsin. They've had to cancel and reschedule some dates. So on their site, there's a list of the postponed and the confirmed dates. Now, I know that's small print, so I kind of blew it up here for you. The two dates in Minneapolis are under the postponed sign. They haven't been canceled. So check with Rage Against the Machine's website. Keep an eye on that. Check with Target Center when those dates are going to be rescheduled. Right now, the May 15th and 16th show are postponed. As of postponements, Ghost, who's on tour with Volbeat coming up here, their appearance on Jimmy Kimmel was postponed. When I first saw his headline, I fell for the clickbait. I thought, okay, Jimmy Kimball, what is he doing? Why, is, why? Why are you postponing this? Well, it was actually Ghost's problem. Um, their new single called Little Sunshine was supposed to be on Jimmy Kimmel on the night of the 20th. Unfortunately, the performance was postponed due to ongoing tour preparations that will take place sometime soon enough. Ghost said, children of the world, more specifically those who had just started to prep for their couches up for tonight's Jimmy Kimmel show. The ghost said we, well, it turned out that we had a bit too much going on in Reno. Getting all of our shit together for the tour, however, our good friends at Kimmel offered us time to come back and play at a different date. So, first I got a little concerned, like, oh, great. Someone is coming on and bumping it for some dumb reason. What stupid thing was said that they're going to borrow from the show, you know. I was all hot and found out it was just, oops, Double booked ourselves. Meatloaf. We lost him this week. I just got a few notes on here. I'm not going to go over all the blah, blah, blah. You've heard from everywhere else. It's just this week with Meatloaf gone, I, I really missed MTV a lot because, you know, the way they played the videos and the interviews and the clips. That would have been fun to watch instead of having to search YouTube for it all day long. Here's a few things about Meatloaf, uh, about his love of sports. Um, I know he liked golfing. Kevin Sorbo put a thing up on Twitter. Him and Meatloaf were good golfing buddies all the time. Uh, Meatloaf was a fan of the New York Yankees when he got Phil Rizzuto to recite the play-by-play of a young man racing around the bases in Paradise by Dashboard Light. Um, there's a few different stories going on that. If Phil Rizzuto really knew what he was saying, like was he reading a script and he knew what it was going to be used for or not, even when Phil Rizzuto died, that's kind of one of those urban legends. If he was just reading it and happy, or if he really knew what the innuendos were going to be used for. Um, Meatloaf had participated in multiple fantasy baseball leagues every season. He also expressed support in the English Association football team, uh, the Hartlepool United FC. So he was very big in the love. Uh, did celebrity golf tournaments, stuff like that. Uh, he was a vegetarian at the end, uh, vegetarianism. And here's here's where I could see where people could get out of the way, and Meatloaf just kind of went with it. Meatloaf was a vegetarian from, nine, from 1981 to 1992, discussing the confusion caused by his contrasting stage name and dietary habits. <laughs> he once told Entertainment Weekly, there they've been vegetarians who wouldn't speak to me because of my name. I was sitting with John Bon Jovi at one of those award things, and I said, oh, man. I love Katie Lang. I'd like to go meet her. They went to her to find out if she was okay with it. She said, she goes, no, his name is Meatloaf. He goes, I stopped being a Katie Lang fan after that. Oh, ouch. I mean, really, your your name is Katie Lang in all small letters. Okay, we're going to compare names right now. Um, He declared in 2019 that he would try veganism for 
uh, veganism for veganarity in January, so for the month. He was going to try it in 2020. And he'd be preparing for the UK restaurant chain, Frankie and Benny's, to promote vegan options. So he was trying to, you remember when we saw his videos in 77 when he came out in 93, he was a large man. So he tried to get his weight back down. In 2017, he did an interview with Billboard. He made positive remarks about U.S. President Donald Trump, Ivanka Trump, and Don Trump Jr. And how he'd worked together with them on Celebrity Apprentice in 2011. When asked if he'd vote for Trump, Meatloaf said, I would vote for you. In fact, I'd even help with your campaign. However, in 2020, he wasn't 100% supportive of Trump. Um, he did that. Uh, Meatloaf said that he didn't believe in climate change. In an interview with Daily Mail in 2021, he called Little Miss Greta Thornburg brainwashed due to her views on climate change, saying, I feel for that Greta. She's been brainwashed into thinking that there's a climate change and there isn't. She hasn't done anything wrong. She's just been forced to be thinking that way since she was saying it was true. So he didn't really care what you thought. Politically, he jumped all over the place. He was a total independent middle-of-the-road guy when you read this stuff. Um, he was critical of the restrictions brought about the COVID-19 pandemic. Telling the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette in, in August of 2021, I'll have people in the middle of COVID. I understood stopping life for a little while, but they can't continue to stop life because of politics. He described the person he called for people on airplanes to wear masks as a Nazi or power mad. Meatloaf then said, if I die, I die. What I'm going to be controlled by and blamed the COVID pandemic on China. It is said that part of what he died from was COVID related. But then again, you go into the hospital with a broken leg and die, they're going to say it's COVID related, but that's me. Um, so there you have it, Meatloaf. That's some of the other stuff you didn't hear. Nobody else has their stuff on it, but some other Meatloaf tidbits. Uh, I was a big Meatloaf fan, big Meatloaf guy. Um, you could, I guess because it was different. His music was different. It was that long storytelling operatic rock, you know, one category had almost says heavy metal. I quit reading the rest of their story after that because he was rock and roll. That's what I liked about Meatloaf. And he told stories. Uh, Jim Sarberg, his, his partner, his writer. Awesome, awesome collaborations. That's what I got, sir. You, uh, your thoughts on Mr. Meatloaf? Not, not a fan. Appreciate his stuff. Respect his stuff. But not a fan of the rock opera. Uh, never so liked. You weren't a big Sticks guy then either, huh? What's Tommy no, Stick. No, Mr. Uh, Roboto. Uh, you know, I never, never got into the rock opera stuff and the storytelling and, and all this stuff. Now, be interesting when we talk about the album week, week re review of the week that I've got picked, uh, as it yes. happens to be one. We'll yeah, get to that later. But yeah, I, uh, I liked uh, his stuff. The other side of your mouth are going to give the album review. Okay. I liked his uh, his 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 political leanings and his and his statements and, and yeah, he was truly down the middle. Yep. Really respected that. Uh, and he died the same day as Louis Anderson. Yeah, Louis Anderson, uh, local boy here. Um, we lost Bob Saget last week, and of course Betty White a couple weeks ago. So. Big names in entertainment last 10 days or so, but wow. Yeah, Meatloaf. Um, I guess the only thing I didn't like about Meatloaf was that it was 15 years between albums all the time, which maybe was good because every year would have gotten, okay, that's boring now. I think that's what helped his album sales is they were 15 years apart, you know? So different genres. But that uh, is what I got. What do you got for a trivia answer before we forget now about football games? Trivia answer relates to NFL football. And um, maybe while I while I read the question and answer, if you pull up the score, we're in the midst of that late game. The That's what I'm checking is, on right now you do that, yes. Right now the, the question was, the only twice in NFL history has the NFL divisional playoff round resulted in three games. With the final score of three points or less, the differential in the in the game. Only three, three games. It's only happened one other time. 
This weekend, of course, both games on Saturday were won by field goals as time expired in regulation. The afternoon game today resulted in a field goal won in regulation as time expired. Uh, it matched. And now, the, depending on the game tonight, we could get, if it's three points or less, a, a new NFL record of four games. But right now, three is the highest. This weekend, it tied. When was the other time there was three games in divisional weekend that ended? I'm going to guess it had to be in the 2000 runs because uh, the Patriots had that good kickers there for a while. So yeah, but it, yeah. So he had to be involved. So either the Patriots or Colts, one of those years, one of those teams had to be involved. Um, so early 2000s is what I'm going to guess. So the answer, and you're right on on both both those counts. It was, the answer was 2007. So following the 2006 regular season. Yeah. In January 2007, that's that's 15 years ago this month, three of the four games ended uh, with field goal, uh, three-point wins. Those were the Saints, the Bears, and the Patriots in 2007, all winning by field goals. The only other game that uh, that weekend was, I think, Baltimore Ravens winning by nine points. So that, oh, was, wow. the, that was the only time that all four divisional games – uh, had a, a margin of difference of less than uh, all single digits, all single digits. Usually there's a blowout in there. The, the margin uh, of victory on those divisional games sometimes get to be outlandish. Sometimes there's shutouts. Um, this weekend we got lucky with all these games being very close, three games, all won by the visiting team. Now, do you have an update on the, the night games? That's what I'm looking at right now here, if I can find it. Well, he brings it up. The yes. divisional games, they started that. That was 1971 that began doing a divisional format like that. Yeah. Oh, we're going to post off. I will look it up if you want to go into album of the week, sir. All righty. Right now, we still got Kansas City up by four with 50 seconds to go. Oh, really? Ball. Yep. So if it stays there less than four, that's going to be a new record for a combined win-loss margin of all four of those games. Yep. 1974, that's the closest weekend for all those games. So that's, that is good. All right. You keep going. I will, I will interrupt with the final when it comes up. All right. We talked about rock operas before. Tonight's album of the review is Wasp, The Crimson Idol. Wasp, the Crimson Idol there. The uh, There's the album. It's the fifth studio album by heavy metal band Wasp, released in 1992. It was the first album by Wasp since the band's temporary breakup in 1990. This was because vocalist and bassist Blackie Lawless had intended to release the Crimson Idol as a solo album until he decided to release, release it as a Wasp album. The album charted in the top top 40 in five different countries. The Crimson Idol is a rock opera telling the story of the rise and fall of a fictional rock star named Jonathan Steele. Now, I'll get to more of it before. I was not a big fan early on of this album. It came out in 92, 93. Uh, Only recently I became a fan of this, and that's why I'm doing the review. Once it pieced together what this all is about and the story of this, all written basically a screenplay by Blackie Lawless. And then the songs to, to uh, go along with it is when I had new appreciation for it. And I uh, thought it was very, very interesting. I also have my speculation on who some of these stories are about some of the characters in this quote fictional show, but it could also be very, very true. Uh, he talks about the rough life in the, in the uh, becoming a rock star and what it entails essentially for the most part, selling your soul to the devil uh, to make all the money and be the hero star that you could be. That's what the article was about in this script play about a uh, fictional name, Jonathan Steele. All he ever wanted to be was a rock star, famous rock star. He got that. And one woman along the way says, be careful what you've wished for. It just may come true. Jonathan Steele goes into depression Nothing is working for him. He goes on to commit suicide with the very six strings of his guitar. 
following a, uh, a, sh a show. So this album took nearly three years to complete. Blackie Lawless, it should have been released as a solo album, Blackie Lawless. The, the players from Wasp weren't in there. In fact, the, the group had broken up and he brought in session players to do the songs. Here. And here is the personnel. Just on this album only. Blackie Lawless, of course, is vocals, bass, but he also plays keyboard, rhythm, guitar. Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot fame yep. played the drums on, on all the songs, except for one song, and that song was done by Stat Howland, former Wasp drummer, also did a bunch of work with Lita Ford. Then he brings in Bob Kulick to play lead guitar on this. Remember, that's, that's Bruce Kulick's brother. Yeah, Bob just passed away in the last year, too. Oh, yes. Longtime Kiss guitarist. And that is how, actually, I think, Gene and Paul, when they were interviewing to bring Bruce Kulick in, it was a recommendation. They were working with Bob Kulick or something. Yep. Story there. Yep. Of Bob yep. Kulick, very well known for many years. And if you listen to the guitar work here, He's an older guy, but boy, it sounds it sounds good. But that's Bruce Kulick's brother, Bob. So it's not a Wasp album per se, but Bowing, the fan pressure and released it under the Wasp label. So I go out and buy it, not really liking it, didn't know what it was about. It was about a story and, and whatnot. And uh, once I put it all together and pieced it together, became very interested in it, started digging into it more and really liked the, uh, the characters and whatnot uh, in this. Critical reception. The German magazine Rock Hard declared the Crimson Idol album of the month in June 1992. And the reviewer wrote that it maintained the same power, roughness, melodic fullness, and epic breadth of its predecessors with songs not always at this world-class level, but damn close. Um, very... Very interesting. Now, the songs here are, song one is the Titanic Overture, song two, the Invisible Boy, and the story of this was uh, uh, Jonathan Steele, that the kid was had uh, very low self-esteem. The parents didn't like him. They much favored his older brother, Michael Steele, who could do no wrong. He was a golden child, and then he was killed by a drunk driver in a tragic car accident. And that's when his life kind of goes off the rails. So it's about the invisible boy. Next song is Arena of Pleasure. Now, guess who plays guitar on Arena of Pleasure, Andy? Does, does he get Chris Holmes back in for a shot? No. It's Doug Aldrich comes in and plays one song where we don't get Bob Hewlett, but Doug Aldrich, former Whitesnake, former yep. Dio, uh, played guitar for Lion, played guitar for Hurricane. And uh, he played Arena of Pleasure. And then they talk about Chainsaw Charlie, Murders in the New Morgue. And that is about not actual murders, but Chainsaw Charlie is a top label record label uh, executive that puts all these people through the meat grinder and chews them up and spits them out because he can make money on them and does not care what happens to the musicians. That's kind of a real world, kind of a David yeah. Geffen, uh, kind of a Geffen. Yeah, I was just going to say that, David Geffen, yeah. Feel, kind of a feel to it. He's out there to make the money. Uh, and will grind these people through uh, and end up hating them. But Geffen always puts on big, big records and the money comes through. But if you start looking into the people deceased, dying, suicide, whatever else of popular musicians, they all come from David Geffen. Uh, they all seem to follow a track. And so he calls them, I think it's Chainsaw Charlie there. Then the Gypsy meets the boys, the next song. This is the one who tells the... Jonathan Steele, be careful what you wish for. It just may come true. And you may have been just happier with your life the way it was rather than hoping for these uh, pie-in-the-sky dreams. And it becomes the very um, nightmare that you never would have got into if you didn't put all your energy into this. That's the Gypsy Meets the Boy. Song six is Dr. Rockter. It's a song about the drug dealer that he got into when he became addicted to alcohol and drugs. Um, and then the song I Am One, song The Idol, song nine is Hold On To My Heart. And finally, The Great Misconceptions of Me. Now, this was 1992. They released this album internationally. They released it in the U.S. in 1993. 
and it and it did well. I mean, it, it did okay, but boy, once you hear that remastered, the edition bonus track in 1998, three, uh, six years later, I guess, uh, it's a 16-minute song prologue to Crimson Idol, the story of Jonathan, and that is Blackie Lawless doing the narration of the entire story, and that's where it makes steel, uh, makes 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 all sense. The list of characters is Jonathan Steele, his brother Michael, his mother Elizabeth, his, his father William Red Steele, the mirror who he talks to, also is considered a character. Chainsaw Charlie, Alex Rodman is a, is a high-level, uh, vulnerable, volatile record label uh, manager, band manager, so it's very typical of today's world, too. And then the character, the Gypsy, Dr. Rocker, and the King of Mercy. Now, Michael Steele here, Jonathan Steele, the character, reminded me a lot of the Nikki Six growing up, coming into the world of rock and roll. How out of control, came from an abusive home, uh, domestic problems, wanted to make it big at all costs, any costs to make it big. And he did. But what, what came along with it, of course, was the, uh, the addiction the deaths of loved ones. You can't have relationships. It all just goes, it all just Can, can I interrupt you for a second? Yep. Kansas State just kicked a field goal to tie it. We're going to overtime. Really? Buffalo scored. Kansas State just went down and tied it as buzzer went off. So we're going to overtime. No, it's going to go to overtime, which means it's going to end in a three-point three, three or six-point game. Yeah, it could, yeah. Six three points the most. record, that other game went nine-point well, difference. Could so be two if it's a safety. The defensive safety. Two. Could be two, three, or six is the only way it's going to end. Now, very very rarely do the divisional games go into overtime, but right. in the last 20 years, I think two of them went to double overtime. Yep. And now with the new scoring know, system, is, we'll see. It is rare. So this could actually go down as the most historical divisional weekend playoff games in NFL's history. Ever. Close yep. games. Wow. So there we have it. Sorry for the interrupt you there, but. I like yeah. it. I like the Blackie Lawless stuff. I have not heard this one yet. I was a little skeptical of getting it myself because it was different. Yeah, it seems almost like a, when you listen to the story, it's a fictional character, but boy, it sure sounds like Nikki Six growing up. Yeah. Stuff that he dealt with and wanted to become rich and famous and have money. And then your life takes over all the things you wish for becomes your uh, nightmare. Yeah. But Um, what other notes here that I've got? Oh, the Crimson Idol, it's because Jonathan plays a stolen crimson color guitar. His color was crimson, and that was it. Uh, he never had, he had problems with his family. He finally becomes rich and famous because he, he was hoping then he could finally get the love and respect and appreciation of his parents that he never had. He called when he was famous to reconcile their differences. And he said less than 50 words were spoken on that phone call. And the last four words were, we have no son. The one son we had died in a tragic car accident. You disowned us. We disowned you. And that was it. And so he realized he'll never be accepted by his parents. Cuts at the beginning of the Johnny Cash story a little bit, too. It's, it had a feel of that as well. So Johnny and his folks made up at the end, but the beginning here, of it. Here it didn't. And... You know, there's one review that was very negative by saying, you know, this is this is a, a concept album. It's unenjoyable, even hurtful in the failure of a concept album department, lacking creative resonance. And it should have been, you know, nurtured and, been, and done better by that. I think the person who wrote that did not get the full concept of this entire concept album. Yeah. But boy, the time and, and work Blackie Lawless put into this. Um, was unreal now later they they released a two cd set and whether you're a fan of that or not there are some there's some good live live songs of a lot of this uh, performed live but there's a cover song of led zeppelin's when the levee breaks okay that's one of the best uh covers i've heard of that song ever and boy, it sounds just like it. It's it's a very if you get a chance to listen to it, 
even go to YouTube and listen to When the Levee Breaks, a cover song by Wasp. Uh, it's good stuff. So they put together this, basically a soundtrack. It was similar to what I consider when Kiss did the music from The Elder and then nothing ever yeah. came from it. It was like that. Wasp and Blackie Lawless did put together a movie, filmed it with the scenes, had this as the soundtrack, but never released it. Now, 20 years later, they did release it. And the only way you can get that DVD is, not in, is in the box set. Okay. So they actually did, did make the movie. And this is the soundtrack to the movie. So it's very convoluted, but uh, it, it's some good stuff. Uh, some, when I go back and read the comments on some of this uh, songs on YouTube and on the videos and the music of this, many people that are hardcore wasps fans at this this they said this is the pinnacle of the wasp career this album oh, oh, this wow. album is a masterpiece many hardcore fans say because of the songwriting the composition the lyrics the how it all ties and intertwines together there's no instrumentals either they're all song 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 10 songs i think uh eight are good a couple of them are shorter kind of storytelling songs and um it's a 10 song album but I would say I rank it very high. I'm not a rock opera kind of a guy, but boy, Blackie Lawless, the talent that man has and the right. vocals, how good the vocals are as he, as he is as a vocalist. It's, uh, it's unreal. And this also changes from going from Wasp, Hardcore Days, uh, Wild Rock, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll all album songs is when they take this big serious turn here. Um, the, the album before that was The Headless Children. They talked on a bunch of topics on that as well, social topics. But boy, then you got you get you get Blackie Lawless going straight, sober, becoming a Christian, and the albums all become very pointed. I was a big Wasp guy back in the day. And a lot of their earlier albums you listened to did a lot of covers. Yes, covers. They and, were very good in cover songs. Yes, which which was scary when you first hear your picture of Wasps, like oh god, really they're gonna do some covers. They really kind of nailed it. Yeah, they rocked and rolled them off a little bit more, but they didn't ruin the song either. So that's what talent he had, you know. Well, my favorite song for Wasp was The Real Me, the cover song yes. from The Who. Yep. Or the Who cover well, songs. They were very good, but Wasp, like you say, when they first started off, was such a shock rock, in your yeah. face shock rock band. But a lot of people, they got turned off, and then when they started becoming serious and putting together some seriously good composing of, of music pieces. Uh, it didn't really get a second chance by some of these folks, but they've done very good kind of under, as an underground band. Yeah. No main mainstream from them. That's the album review of the week. Is there anything more, uh, Andy? Uh, they're in overtime. Kansas City got to- uh, won the toss, and they're, I hate to say moving down the field. They've done three plays, but they're moving down the field. Yeah, first down, so. And Kansas City, once again, is the home team. There is yet to be a home team winning this weekend. So, yes, it could be the first. You know, unless Kansas City gets a touchdown, they just just get a field goal. Buffalo gets the ball for a shot. Correct. So. And I am wearing my Rams cap today. I'm glad they yeah. won. It's going to be an interesting game. I do think they're going to win the following weekend. Do you know that the San Francisco 49ers only won two divisional games all year? Both were against the Rams. I know it. Yep. They got swept by Seattle. They got swept by Arizona, and now the, here they are with a possible chance to go to the Super Bowl, and they've the a losing through, record in the division. And it goes through L.A. for the title this year, too. L.A. will host that game. And Super Bowl, that, yeah, so the NFC Championship game it will be at Sophie. Get a week off for the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Super Bowl at Super Sophie Stadium could be the same thing. After, what, 50 years, no Super Bowl had ever been hosted by a team, and then we get it last year with the Buccaneers. We could get back-to-back yep. seasons here. Uh, after it hadn't been done for over 50 years. But that's but all I've got for history. sports and sports. Look history. up your history. The 49ers did win a Super Bowl one year, and the game was played at Stanford College. Stanford, okay. So there was – it wasn't in a pro stadium, and Stanford and Frisco, not a geography major, but they're not that far apart, I don't think. We're Nonetheless, in their, back, in their backyard, they're playing at the yeah. Cardinal Stadium. Yeah, yeah. That was before they started making big deals like, hey, we should really make a big deal out of the Super Bowl thing, you know? Correct. And, uh, so it'll be fun. We'll cover all that next week. I've got a good midweek uh, episode with college women's hockey. I'm also going to go over the 
the Olympic women's roster as well. It's very interesting how so many locals are on that roster. Lots of gophers. Gophers and I was watching Hockey Day Minnesota yesterday, all the outdoor games. How many kids that have played in Hockey Day because they picked the proper teams to play? How many kids have played on that have gone on the pros or Olympics from that, you know? Uh, Bjorkstead of the Goat of the Wild. He's been Hockey Day in Minnesota as a high school player, gopher player, and a wild player. So really, he's he's been in like six games. Yeah, the big it's a big deal. Did they have good weather for that yesterday? Yes. Uh, no, it was below zero. It was in it was, uh, it was in Mankato. Um, the warmest they said it was last year when it was in Andover, I think last year, and the coldest was three years ago up in Bemidji when it was like twenty five below for the games. So wow. Can't see is inside the 15. So they might get the touchdown here. Now, I like another stat here for Green Bay Packers fans. Of the 30 last years, for Packers fans, under center they had the two, arguably some of the best quarterbacks in NFL history, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. How many Super Bowls did they win? Two. Two. Interesting. And the other stat I saw is uh, this would be the first time. Wait. Touchdown, Kansas City. It's over. Yep. Bills are going home. Kansas City going to the third straight Super Bowl. Nope. Conference title. Uh, uh, con- conference title. Uh, Antwell? Yeah. Yes, and if they win that, they'll go to the third yep. straight yep. Super Bowl. But um, this is the first time there will be a conference championship game in 12 years without Tom Brady and or Aaron Rodgers. Oh. All right, so both those games are next next Sunday afternoon and evening. Yeah. Uh, winners advance to the Super Bowl. Losers will be going home. All right, that's all I've got for this week. That's have all a, I got. I'll have be a good back week, everyone. Shows. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. See ya.